Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! Hello, Pistons fans, and welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast brought to you by Believe. Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia here with you this week. Jasper, thanks so much for taking the time to join me. As always, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Thank Really, I should be the one thanking you. You're the one who's uh, carving out a little bit of time to make this podcast happen. I know we both had to carve out some time last night with the Pistons playing their first summer league game at midnight Eastern Standard Time. Isn't that just wonderful? And Aaron, man, those refs, they, they sure were... Uh, they wanted to keep us up all night. They didn't want the party to end. I mean, that game ended at, at 2.30, 2.35, you know, for – it started a couple minutes after 12, but it wasn't, you know, obscenely late or anything. It was terrible. I I think there were 60 I, – I, I'd have to double-check. There were at least 60 fouls called in the game. Probably ended up being closer to 65 because the last I checked that that total foul number, still was, there was still about three minutes left in the game. Oh, yeah. So well, there was more technical fouls even, Aaron, after that. How many technical fouls were there? Like eight? The, <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was uh, Summer League for the refs as well. These are the refs that are the guys that didn't get make the cut, didn't get drafted to, to the NBA <laughs> for pools. These are the – They're fighting their way up, and, and it was just a bad first first game for them. These are the Balsa Copravitsas of, of the refereeing crews. Uh, yeah, maybe they're meant to be somewhere else because they're certainly not ready for primetime. We had multiple video replay stoppages for, for fouls, Aaron. It was absurd. Uh, but other than that, other than the, the horrible refing, it was actually really nice to watch the Pistons play. And in years past, you know, we, we've done summer league last year but i have not generally speaking always been all that interested in summer league this is not that case i really was looking forward to this game last night obviously not from the perspective of like ooh, we got to get those summer league rings uh which they are making those by the way you can you can win a summer league ring Uh, in the words of denzel valentine uh people who say that summer league doesn't matter obviously never won it so that's that's something that the Pistons can look forward to, but really more it was was Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran, uh, to a lesser extent even Isaiah Stewart and Isaiah Livers, and of course Killian Hayes. Watching them play, seeing what they had to give, seeing how those players looked for the first time on the floor together, uh, it was fascinating, and I was really looking forward to seeing it. Aaron, any initial impressions from you? Uh, Maybe not in terms of the team, because this isn't obviously a team that we're going to be seeing in the regular season, 
But in terms of the players that we're going to be seeing a lot of during the regular season, any initial thoughts? Yeah, it was just refreshing to 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 see some of these guys come out and for guys like Ivy and Duran, you know, get that that first taste. Uh, I enjoyed seeing, and this is part of what I really enjoy about summer league. Uh, I like seeing all of the teammates, the coaches, the executives in the arena cheering on their guys, supporting their guys. I don't as much enjoy uh, the interviews that they do on air that force the game to split screen. So you're looking at, you know, yesterday, the likes of Damian Lillard and Dwayne Casey while they're uh, being interviewed on ESPN and you're only seeing, you know, a quarter of the game or a a half of your screen is the game. Uh, But I enjoy the atmosphere. You know, it's young guys fighting for their opportunity, fighting for potential spots on uh, into training camp it's guys proving, Hey, I belong on a roster spot after getting a chance in the G league or chance up from the G league at the end of last season. You know, I, that wasn't a fluke. It's your first look at these rookies. And for Detroit, you get to see Jaden Ivy and Jalen Duran. You get to see some guys that haven't had the opportunity to play summer league before in, in Isaiah Stewart. And, you know, you're still kind of, you're still wondering what's coming with Killian Hayes or Saban Lee. We got to see them as well. So uh, I really enjoyed the, I really enjoyed the atmosphere as a whole, even if last night's game, you know, starting at midnight was just an absolutely terrible, terrible down bad moment for me. Uh, It's just a really, really good atmosphere. And I want to talk about, we're going to talk about the man of the hour, Jaden Ivy up first, but before we do that, I want to talk about our sponsors. You hear about them every week. Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's Wimbledon Finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get 50 to get the bonus and get into the action that's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You really can't get much better than that. Bet online where the game starts. So Jasper, Jade and Ivy, I don't want to waste any time. Uh, he was the man of the hour. He was the guy that everyone was staying up for. Uh, we kind of figured at least I think most people I don't know how to phrase this delicately, but most people who understand the situation figured we weren't going to see Kate Cunningham and Sadiq Bay. I wasn't even expecting to see Isaiah Stewart play in summer league and Cunningham and Bay were not dressed. They were not sitting with the team. They ended up sitting with uh, Dwayne Casey and Gabriele. Uh, Rochida, come on, man. Uh, they, they were sitting across the court, for, uh, you know, on the other side of the court, uh, they had been around the team during summer league. They practiced at summer league. I thought that was good. You know, it's just good for team com- camaraderie and everything. But I think we knew they weren't going to play. All eyes were going to be uh, on Jaden Ivy, and then to a lesser ex- extent, Jalen Dern, who we're also going to talk about. Uh, but everything you kind of were hoping for, I, I think Jaden Ivy was kind of as advertised in in game one against the Blazers. He finished with 20 points, six rebounds, six assists. Uh, he knocked down a pair of three-point shots. You know, he did have five turnovers, but overall, there were some some really exciting plays for him. There were some early game jitters where you know he just kind of slipped and fell a couple times, ended up 
turning the ball over a few times that way. But we got the whole Jaden Ivey uh, experience, and it was a really, really exciting first showing from him. He was certainly getting a lot of love from uh, at least the people on the air and uh, and on, on Twitter as well. The reactions were strong to Jaden Ivey's Game 1 Summer League performance with the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, man, 32 minutes. That was more than I was expecting to see from him tonight. Uh, last night. 32 minutes was a lot, and you're totally right. We saw kind of the whole package of Jaden Ivey, both good, bad, and in the middle with him. Uh, you're completely right. His first step was as advertised. To be honest, pretty much everything about his game was what you expected to see. That first step was explosive. Going downhill, running in transition, he's basically unstoppable. Um, I, I mean, I just – NBA players are going to have a such a difficult time staying in front of him. In terms of his passing as well, that was the, the same thing too. You saw both the good and the bad. He had that one crazy behind-the-back pass to get the shooter open in the corner in the first half. I thought that was like a, an amazing pass. But even at the same time, you saw some of the downsides of his passing. Aaron, the first half, he was sped up. He was just playing way, way, way too fast. He was out of control. You said it. He slipped and fell three different times. Uh, one, he kind of got a little bit, you know, body checked. But the other two times, it was just he blew a tire. And he, he could not stay on his feet. Um, with the passing as well, he also had a problem staying on his feet at times. It's something he did at Purdue. I tweeted it out today. He jumps a lot on those passes, especially the ones on the baseline, which I understand sometimes you got to you got to jump pass on the baseline because there's all those bigs and you need to get, you know, a little bit of height so you can kick that ball out to the three point line. But there was a lot of times where he would get past his first man dribble into traffic. And then because he's jammed up in the paint with three guys around him, he has to jump and throw something out. And sometimes that worked because there was wide open players on the perimeter, but at a certain point, the trailblazers started sitting on that. Um, and so you saw him turning over the ball because of those jump passes. It's something he's going to have to work on playing a little bit more under control. It's something he's going to have to work on. But even within that game last night, you saw the improvement from half to half. He was way more under control in that second half. He didn't blow out a tire in that second half. He was able to get to the rim and finish in the second half with a little bit more control. Those were things you didn't see at first. And obviously he was a little bit nervous. Um, so yes, I'm with you. I thought it was an exciting, very, very intriguing debut from, from Jaden Ivey, but he wasn't the only rookie to play a little bit last night. Uh, and he certainly wasn't the only rookie to make an impact. Jalen Duran had the first basket of the game for the Pistons. He only played 12 minutes, Aaron. But, man, those were impact minutes from him, weren't they? Huge blocks, some huge dunks, uh, alley-oops. He looks – I mean, I'm not just talking about how he played. He looks like an NBA player. That kid is huge. It was a, it was a downhill trajectory uh, in terms of viewing experience right after the first play of the, uh, of the game with Jaden Ivey finding Jalen Dern for that alley-oop. After that, it, it didn't get better. That was the highlight play of the night, I think. I know, I know Ivy had a really nice uh, play where he was able to split two defenders and finish with a nice little acrobatic layup. But How about the, uh, how about the Isaiah Stewart's, uh, Isaiah Livers block? That, that for me, that, oh, that chase down one with the, give me that blank. Yep. That was, ooh, yep. I love that. 
that's my starting power forward. <laughs> but Duran was good, and, and the coaching staff uh, revealed after the game that, you know, he was on a minutes restriction, so he only ended up playing 12 minutes. But, yeah, it did not take long for uh, Duran in, in a short amount of time to make a big impact on the game. Uh, he had nine points. Uh, he was just dunking everything. I mean, he, he he was phenomenal. Three of his four baskets were dunks. The other one was a, a tap-in on another alley-oop pass. Uh, he had a pair of blocks. I mean, it's it's kind of contradictory when uh, the talk after the draft, and, you know, even going into the draft before he was a piston, was like, this is a raw prospect. Like, he's going to take a little bit more time. You're going to have to uh, slowly slow it down for him and minute the – the, the game for him a little bit and he went out there and it just didn't look like that was necessary at all nope. and that's that's kind of the beauty of summer league although I, I will say you know not that either of these guys are starting level players in the NBA and they might not end up having 10 12 year careers in the league but on the other side was Greg Brown and Trendon Watford, the two starting bigs for Portland. And then they did have Luca Garza coming off the bench. So <laughs> it's not like he was playing against guys that didn't have NBA experience. It's not like he was playing against guys that, you know, were undrafted, just coming out of the draft, playing in summer league, maybe trying to impress a couple overseas scouts uh, to find a contract, you know, in Europe or, or somewhere else. Like he was playing against some guys that, have NBA contracts or just had NBA contracts. And I mean, again, only 12 minutes, but the production was there on, on both sides of the court. He is a massive broad shouldered six eleven, super bouncy, super strong. I think it's, it's telling when Isaiah Stewart's talking and, and we got these quotes a little bit earlier in the day on Friday where He's just like, you know, I looked at him and I'm like, Man, he's like me, except he's bigger and he's yeah. younger. He's only 18. Whew. And it's like, that was the talk of, and it still kind of is the talk of Isaiah Stewart is like, it's a big dude. You just don't want to mess with. And it's like, Duran's two years younger. He's not 19 until November and he's 6'11 and he's got these super broad shoulders. He is more than likely in the top you know, one of the most athletic guys on the court because he, he just can jump and get up so high, so fast. He's comfortable running the floor. I mean, he looked the part yesterday and granted it was summer league, but you know, the idea of, Hey, this is a guy that's going to need time in the G league. This is a guy that probably isn't ready to play any minutes right away. I'm not necessarily sure that that's really the case, especially for, a team that looks like they're gearing up to be probably towards the the back end of the Eastern conference again in a losing season. Like they can give those developmental minutes to a guy like Jalen Duran rather than perhaps a Kelly Olenek. Like Duran was very, very good yesterday. And I'm interested to see how that continues in summer league, potentially with a uh, higher minutes restriction and, and more opportunity inside the offense to do more than just catch lobs. I mean, I'm kind of surprised looking at the box score that he only played 12 minutes because his impact felt far greater than 12 minutes of playing time, Aaron. Uh, yeah, it, it was really you, – you're totally correct. He reminds me right now, and, and again, maybe this is just because I'm a Pistons fan, so I've, I've watched the Pistons 
way more than anyone should in the uh, in the 2010s. But hey, here I am, still in one piece. He reminds me a lot of young rookie year Andre Drummond, who came in with a lot of the same questions, where he slid a little bit because it's like, hey, this guy's really raw. There was times he really struggled in college. Uh, is he there all the way yet? Yeah, the body's there, but is the mental game there yet? Um, I-, I see it the same way, where Andre Drummond came in his rookie year and you had a loaded front court, and the thought was, well, you know, we're going to bring this guy along slowly. But the talent, the body, it was just, it was too much. They had to play him more. And I could see Jalen Duran in a very similar situation with a, what is, you know, maybe not a loaded in terms of talent Pistons front court, but loaded in terms of there's enough guys on that team that are good enough to demand minutes in that front court. And looking at Jalen Duran right now, he looks like he might be one of those guys himself. Like you said, Pistons are still not going to be very good. Um, they might have to move on from Kelly Olenek. We'll see what happens there. But there's going to have to be opportunities for Jalen Duran this year. In the same way that there had to be opportunities for Andre Drummond when he was a rookie. There's just too much talent. And physically speaking, he's there already. Um, I, I also saw a couple little things. And, you know, it's easy to marvel over the dunks and the physicality. But his passing, his passing was what was really intriguing for me. And it's something you saw a little bit in college when he was at Memphis. But you saw it a couple times last night, too. Running the break, passing the ball up. Uh, those look like things that he's very comfortable with doing. And I look at a combination of him and Killian Hayes off the bench. That to me is intriguing, extremely intriguing because he'll have a point guard that can throw him lobs. Um, He'll have another player that can run smart, short pick and rolls with him. There could be a lot of potential in that pairing. Uh, It's something that I'm looking forward to seeing more of in summer league and in the regular season as well. Um, Aaron, you know, those are, those are the rookies. Uh, nobody else, uh, Prochida didn't get to play sadly. Um, but there were multiple other players for the Pistons that have been on this roster for a few years that also got some solid playing time. We've mentioned Isaiah Stewart. We've mentioned Killian Hayes, Isaiah Libbers, Saban Lee. Um, of those four guys looking at them, who impressed you, who didn't impress you, um, I think for me, especially in those guards with Killian Hayes and Saban Lee, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say on that because I certainly have some thoughts about their respective play last night. Yeah, I don't think either of them really came, came out and, and set the world on fire. Um, it it concerns me that neither of them really stood out. Like, I can't really recall it. And granted, the game was at midnight. I had just, you know, I was 25 minutes out of watching Thor Love and Thunder. Great movie, by the way. Um, so my my ability to watch all the detail maybe was lacking a bit. I was clipping a lot of the highlights from the game as well. But I can't really recall anything that Killian Hayes did that made me go, wow. This is this is improvement. This is something different than what he was doing last year. I remember his one three. I'm pretty sure it came from the left wing, but that's really it. And he only took four shots. He played 22 minutes. 
finished with seven points, four assists, three rebounds. I think all four of his assists came in the first quarter, if not the first half. And I know he left the game for at least a little bit with some sort of face injury, but he did come back. And then Saban Lee, I think, I think what encapsulates his performance the most is a tweet from, from James Edwards, the third of the athletic where uh, he was, he tweeted about how the Pistons coaching staff was yelling at Hayes from the bleachers to move the ball and stop dribbling. And yeah, Saban Lee. And that's, that was the encapsulation of his performance. He was just dribbling the air out of the basketball. Uh, He was, you know, one of eight from the field, one of four from the three-point line. This is a guy that you know, not only is fighting for a spot in the rotation, but is probably fighting for a roster spot at this point with Ivy Cunningham, Killian Hayes, and Corey Joseph all stepping in front of him as, as potential ball handlers. Heck, even Alec Burks as well now. So this is a guy that really has to impress in summer league uh, if he's going to keep his spot on the roster and, and last night was, was not a good showing for him. And I really wasn't all that too impressed uh, with Killian Hayes, who I was really, really hoping we were going to start to see uh, the leap that we've been told was coming from him. I mean, the Pistons, even though it, we haven't always seen it uh, in terms of their on the court developmental plan with Killian Hayes, what they've always said to the media is that, Hey, it's going to take time, but, he has the potential. He has the promise. It just is, it's taking a little bit longer with him. And uh, we're still looking at that kind of same situation after you last night's performance. It's only one game, but that's still the case as of now. Interesting. See, Aaron, I agree with you 100% on Saban Lee. Um, forget a roster spot. I, I think at this point, he's fighting for a place in the NBA uh, on any team. Uh, it was not a good performance from him last night. He looked, it was all the bad things Saban Lee has done over the last two years, even more so. And it, and it's unfortunate because it does seem that when he's on the NBA court, he's obviously not having this problem in the G league, but when he's on the NBA court, um, he really is just struggling with shooting. He's really struggling with decision-making. He missed so many open reads last night. I mean, there was a play in the third quarter where the Pistons had a shooter, uh, I don't know the guy's full name, uh, Bernard. Uh, he only got a few minutes for him, but he was wide open in the corner, literally waving his arms while while Saban Lee was dribbling the, the air out of the ball, didn't even see him. It, it was it was rough to watch, to be completely honest. And uh, I really hope that he shows a little bit more in these next games because as of right now, he's not looking like he belongs, much less on the Pistons' rotation on the roster at all. Uh, I disagree with you on Killian Hayes though. I actually thought Killian was very good. And I know that people want to see more aggressiveness from him. They want to see more scoring, but I saw a lot of improvement from Killian Hayes last night. And I think that a lot of the lack of scoring was not necessarily him, not being aggressive, him not being able to get to spots. It was more of him taking what the defense was giving him. Every time that the Pistons ran a pick and roll, they trapped Killian Hayes. They pressured him coming out of, of in the backcourt, forget a backcourt, before he even got over half court, they were sending double teams. They were sending pressure all night. Every single thing that they were trying to do when he was on the floor was focused on getting the ball out of his hands. And 
So really, for the most part, he wasn't even really playing on ball for a lot of the night. He was playing off ball for a lot of the night. And you understand that from a Trailblazers perspective. They said, hey, let's make Jaden Ivey, this rookie in his first NBA game of any sort, let's make him run the offense. Let's make Saban Lee run the offense. And hey, that's what got them back into the game. Because at first, Killian Hayes, to me, watching the game, had total control over that first half. Um, They were not able to really stop him from getting to his spots. They were not able to stop him from passing the ball effectively. They were not able to stop him from getting the ball into the half-court sets and letting the Pistons run their offense effectively. Um, When they threw more pressure at him, that's when he took a little bit of a step back. And yeah, he also got hit in the face. Believe it or not, Killian Hayes suffered an injury during the game. That never happens to him. Um, Yeah, Aaron, I thought he was very good. He made all the right reads. He only had two turnovers last night. And considering that they were throwing so much pressure at him, I thought that was a really good sign. He was playing okay defensively. Uh, He had that one possession where he switched onto the big in the post. After having the guard, they switched onto him. He got called for a foul, but he it was very, very close to a clean steal from Killian Hayes on that play. Um, to me, it looks like he's improved his passing. To me, it improves. It, it looks like he's improved his shooting stroke. Yes, he only went one of three, but all three of those shots looked really good. He missed the first one short, but it was perfectly on aim. Uh, the one that he made looked great. I think that he showed some serious improvement last night. Maybe it didn't show up in the box score, but that is something that you want. I want him to be under control. I want him to settle down that second unit this year. I'm not looking for him to be the starter. I've given that up at this point. Um, If he can take control of the second unit, run it effectively, make the right plays, bring along players like Jalen Duren, I think that that is going to be more useful for the Pistons than if he forces up 10 shots in summer league play over double teams. I don't think that that necessarily shows that he's a better player. Now, I understand the the opposite, which is you want him to be more aggressive because he can always take the right play, but you want to see more. I do understand that that perspective. But for me, I actually thought it was a very encouraging night from Killian Hayes. He took exactly what the defense uh, gave him, and he pretty much always made the right read. He settled things down for the Pistons, um, and I thought they were a significantly better team when he was on the floor. Uh, as shown by the fact that he and Isaiah Stewart both were plus seven last night. I don't know. I mean, it it just came off as an underwhelming performance for me. You know, when you look at what, what team Portland brought out there, Shaden Sharp left five minutes into the game. Their only other NBA-level guard on the roster was, was Keon Johnson, and Killian just kind of was in the flow. I mean, I feel like as a third-year player, he should have been the best player on the floor, if not the second best, behind I- Isaiah Stewart. This is a guy that has – I thought he was. Of, of M- I, I did not see that. I think I think when you look at on Detroit, I think the minutes Dern was on the floor, Dern was better. Stewart was obviously better. I think Jaden Ivey – I mean – Heck, Jaden Ivey got forced into being more of a ball hander. And I think the Pistons kind of, in, at least in the second half, chose to go to Ivey more a little bit as the primary ball hander and played Hayes off the ball. I just, I'm just not seeing the, the, he should have been leaps and bounds above some of these guys on the court yesterday. And I just personally didn't see it. There's, 
you know, three, three, four more summer league games left for Detroit. So there's still time to see that. And maybe my analysis is flawed, but I, I just did not come away feeling all that much better about the outlook of Killian Hayes well, next season after just one game in 22 minutes. So obviously a lot can change, but that's just how I felt. I felt like he was overshadowed and for a guy going into year three, hundred games of NBA experience under his belt compared to, to some of these guys that have zero, he, he should have been, he should have been better. And I just, I don't know. I, I get, it's not about the, the box score stats, but I mean, even just from watching, it just didn't feel like he was really trying to take over at any moment of the game. And I think that's something that we do need to see from Killian Hayes. Maybe that's not something that he's going to always have to do, but we need to see that here. So we know he could be able to try to do that in the NBA because here is where he should be that upper echelon of talent that's capable of trying to do it and succeeding at doing it. And hopefully that's something that we can see from him over the next you know week or so. But I, okay, here's how I look at it. One, what are the expectations for Killian Hayes? I guess for me, part of it is I've changed my expectations of where I see his career going. I think that this dude is just, he's a great defender, great passer. He, he has the chance to be a great backup point guard. And I don't necessarily think you have to score 15 points a game in order to do that. I think you can step back a little bit, make the right plays, make the guys around you play better rather than doing what Derek Rose did in Detroit, which is dominate the ball, show out for yourself, make tough shots, do all these things, dominate second units individually. But overall, the unit as a whole suffers. I don't see that happening with Killian Hayes. I see him as elevating the players around him. The other thing I think, and this is a contextual thing, he was playing with three guards for most of that game. He was playing with Saban Lee and Jaden Ivey. A lot of his minutes, I would venture more than half of his minutes, came in three-guard lineups. And we saw it last year when it was him, Saban Lee, and Kate Cunningham on the floor in Summer League. That doesn't really work um, because Saban Lee can't play off-ball at all. So it was one of those things where in order to get Ivey acclimated in the offense, in order to have Saban Lee do anything for the team, Hayes had to play off ball. He wasn't able to dominate it. Um, And so for me, I think that a lot of it, if you're looking at, oh, why didn't he score more? Why didn't he dominate the the possession more? I think a lot of it just comes down to what was the context? And I think in the context of what the game was, he didn't, I don't know. I guess for me, it's like, I'd rather have somebody like Killian Hayes who does all the right things in year three and maybe doesn't dominate the stat sheet rather than somebody like Saban Lee, who really, really was trying to attack, really was being aggressive, really was trying to put his imprint on the game, scored more, had more steals, had the same amount of assists, had the same amount of rebounds, but he made all the wrong plays all the time. Um, You know, and we we don't have to, to stay on this forever, and we will see more of Killian Hayes. We will see more of Saban Lee. I'm sure of it in Summer League. Uh, But for me, that was what I was encouraged by, was simply seeing him do, in my eyes, uh, the right play pretty much every damn time. The last thing I want to say on this before we move on, because we got some other stuff that we want to get into, is, you know, Dwayne Casey's talked about, he said it right after the draft, that he's excited about being able to play a three-guard lineup now with Hayes, Ivy, and Cunningham on the court. And that means that 
Killian's going to have to be able to play off the ball a little bit. And he's going to have to be able to play on the ball as well and be aggressive with the ball in his hands. And I need to see both of those things in summer league for him because I need to be able to contextualize him doing that alongside these two other guards that are, are the two biggest pieces on this team right now, or two of the three, if you include Sadiq Bay, you know, these are two guys that are ahead of him in the rotation. They play his position, but Dwayne Casey still wants to play him out there with those two guys. And we've, we know Dwayne Casey wants to use three guard lineups. It's a, it's a staple of his coaching ideology. So Hayes has to, a be able to play off the ball he has to be able to knock down shots you know we've seen it he can cut a little bit uh expose lazy defense where they're not paying attention to him like he needs to do that he needs to be able to hit catch and shoot threes um and then on the ball like he has to be aggressive he has to be able to attack defenses when they put some pressure on him and he has to be able to make the reads that we know he's capable of the passing's not something that i'm concerned with with killing hayes like i know killing hayes can pass the ball I know he can handle himself as a one-on-one on-ball defender, but I need to see him play alongside other ball handlers and still be able to play, still be able to make an impact in the game and not get overshadowed. But Aaron, to me, it sounds like you're asking him to to drive against traps in the pick and roll and like shoot over double teams. I, I just I don't see how no, that. I, I want him. I want him. Well, to that's what they that were way. throwing at him every every time. It was a pick and roll last night. I wish they had the replay. Every time he ran a pick and roll last night, the the Blazers were blitzing him off the pick and roll. I mean, every how, single how effective time. Effective of a of a point guard can you be if every time you see a double team, you just get rid of the ball? You have to be able to to find ways to attack them and beat them at times. I mean, that's what we saw with Kate Cunningham. That's what he struggled with, you know, when he really first started seeing them and really throughout you know his rookie season when he got double teams. Like he struggled initially figuring out how to attack them and how to make the right reads how to make the right plays. And it's not always going to be, well, you have to attack it. You have to beat him off the dribble. Half the time, it is going to be to pass the ball. But there are going to be have to be other times where you put the ball on the floor yourself and you make them pay uh, for trapping you, trying to trap you. So I don't want to stick on this topic, you know, any much longer. We're already, we've already talked a lot about Summer League and we didn't even talk about Isaiah Livers who struggled shooting the ball, but had a really nice impact defensively, had a couple nice blocks. I still think, you know, even with the shooting woes, uh, he played pretty well. I think he's a guy that, you know, depending on on how the Pistons come out and play uh, next year, like I could see him starting at the power forward spot. Oh, yes. That's all I wanted to hear from you, Aaron. Hey, you saw Rod Beard tweeted out last night. It's a movement, baby. Don't sleep on us. I still think they're going to go big with Stewart at the four, but I, I think – Again, I think I said this on last week's show. It might not exactly be Livers is the right guy, but the archetype of the player that should be starting at the four, a guy that can spread the floor, guard multiple positions. Like if Isaiah Stewart can do that and he can hit, you know, 35, 36% from the three-point line, it's still really not ideal. But I, I don't know. I Both the Isaiahs, I, I thought, showed some good things yesterday. And Stewart I don't want to- went three of four, man. Three of four, and I thought the thing for me, and we will quickly move on, we've said it. We're not sold on the shooting yet. But last night, Isaiah Stewart looked extremely comfortable comfortable outside of the three-point arc. There was no hesitation in his shots. He was ready, willing, and able to shoot those threes. Uh, If that's the kind of confidence and shooting stroke he's going to go into the regular season with, maybe we do have something there. Maybe we do. 
I still see him more as a stretch five than a stretch four. I think that's where more of his utility comes from because his greatest strength as a defender is ultimately, despite his switchability, is his rim protection. So I'm still not 100% sold that even if he can shoot, that the power forward is the best position for him. But that was certainly, certainly a nice thing to see, especially after he finished last season 11 of 18 from three-point line in those last uh, last month or so. The the Al Horford and Robert Williams comparisons to the potential pairing of Isaiah Stewart and Jalen Duren uh, continue to roll in for from people around the Pistons. So it, it really makes me think that though that's a pairing that I, you know it's, it's probably not going to happen right away in the regular season, but at some point next year, those two guys are going to be starting alongside each other. Uh, you know, trying to kind of duplicate what those uh, with with what Horford and Williams bring. Uh, to Boston in their similar roles. But let's move on to actually a free agent signing that we didn't get to cover on last week's show because it happened after we recorded because the basketball gods really, really love us and uh, respect us enough uh, to do that to us. So the Detroit Pistons signed Kevin Knox to a two-year, $6 million uh, free agency signing. Kevin Knox, yeah. Jasper, I'm going to leave Kevin, that one for you right now. Kevin Knox, Kevin Knox. I knew, uh, I know I live in Brooklyn for people that don't know. And I, I know a guy who's a Knicks fan and he was, I've never seen anybody more excited over a pick than this guy was over the Knicks selecting Kevin Knox. He just went around shouting Kevin Knox, Kevin Knox. Uh, I don't think that Pistons fans were doing the same thing when they signed him though. Kevin Knox is uh, I'm pretty sure the only wing player that I didn't throw out on our last week's podcast as want me wanting the Pistons to take a shot at. He's never shot even 40% from the floor uh, in an NBA regular season. Uh, career 34% three-point shooter, uh, which is the majority of his offensive game. I have to be completely honest, Aaron. I've not really ever seen anything come from Kevin Knox that made me think, oh, this guy's an NBA player. Um, he's just frankly struggled for every single organization that he's played for, uh, both with the Knicks and the Hawks. Um, he's never really even had that good of a stretch. Uh, he did shoot well from three a couple years ago, sort of. Um, but man, this was, I guess I get it in the same sense of like the Jaleel Okafor signing where this is a guy who had some high draft pedigree. People were high on at one point worth maybe taking a shot since you're barely paying him any money, but I don't really, frankly, I don't really see where this is going to go. For me, he's their fourth small forward uh, on the roster right now. And that's on a team that doesn't really have very many solid small forwards. So maybe that's different from you. Maybe you've seen something from Kevin Knox that I haven't uh, since he was drafted in what 2018, but for me, I honestly thought it was kind of a waste of a roster spot. I thought it was kind of a waste of money, especially when you have somebody like Isaiah Roby getting cut from the Thunder just the next day. Somebody that absolutely could fit in with this roster, could fit a spot that they desperately need. So I'm not really sold on this signing. Um, you know, Troy Weaver, for me, I'll just be completely honest. We're three seasons in. I've not really all that been impressed with his work in free agency so far. No, no, you, you and I are uh, unlike with Killian Hayes. We're we're in lockstep on our thoughts on the Kevin Knox signing from Detroit. 
this feels like a, a move that didn't need to happen a day and a half into free agency. It feels like a move that if the Pistons had had swung and missed at a couple bigger names uh, still available in the market and they and they needed to fill a back end roster spot like they could have still gotten Kevin Knox, you know, today or even next week. Like I I'm doubting there were a, a slew of suitors waiting to, to load up on, on Kevin Knox is a guy that his three point shooting is is more theoretical than it is realistic. And that's something that I. I actually was talking about with, with Kelly Olenek earlier today, but uh, this is a guy that just doesn't, I'm not sure what he's going to bring to this team. Like he's six, eight, but he's not the shooter that he should be. He's not a good defender. It's not like he's an elite athlete either. So I just don't know what this signing really does for Detroit. I still feel like they needed a higher impact combo forward they don't have that it leaves them thin there like you said he's what the fourth best small forward on a roster that really doesn't have much depth at the forward spot so I'm not a fan of this move it it kind of falls in line with you know taking a shot on some of these guys that haven't panned out yet but had potential coming into the league so I get that because it does Fit, fit the the narrative and the the style of moves that Troy Weaver likes to make, but this just didn't do it for me. I mean, heck, bringing back Rodney Magruder would have made more sense simply because he could shoot the basketball a little bit. And this is a Detroit team in dire dire need of guys that can space the floor and hit shots from beyond the arc. But this is a signing that that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me and. You know, some people will say, hey, look, this is a guy that's probably not going to play a lot of minutes for you anyway. So why does it matter all that much? Why are you sitting here, you know, complaining about it on, on a podcast? But at the end of the day, I think the, the real problem is not necessarily that the Pistons signed Kevin Knox. The problem is they didn't sign a guy that mm-hmm. could contribute. And I think yeah. this is a team that needs contributors still. Uh, heck, I would have brought back Frank Jackson over Kevin Knox. So. I just don't think this was a necessary move by Detroit. And it shows me that instead of maybe spending a little bit more money, taking a more significant swing at some higher end talent, this is a team that is again set to play out this year as is. And I guess kind of ride the wave of 2023 being the off season where they clear their cap space and try to make a big move or two. So they didn't really go out and sign a big name in free agency, Marvin Bagley, was their highest paid free agent. He comes back on a, you know, on a contract extension, re-signing with the team. They didn't go out and bring in some, some high top name. You know, they were linked to a guy like Victor Oladipo who ended up signing for, I believe it was $11 million. But I mean, he was, even, even he was a guy that would have brought, you know, more to the table than, than Knox. So don't love this signing. I feel like the Pistons are still, you know, they're going to get into the regular season. And I guess it'll be then when they realize that, Hey, we're still, a six, seven, six, eight, stretch the floor wing away uh, from being a little more competitive. Uh, so I guess we'll see if they notice that then, but yeah, this signing just doesn't do, do much for me in that department. Yeah. And look, let's also say this, the Kevin Durant trade has not happened yet. Deandre Ayton has not gone anywhere yet. And those are very, very significant pieces. Donovan Mitchell too, Utah. 
I, there's a really good chance that they're blowing that whole thing up and Donovan Mitchell's going to go as well as Rudy Gobert. So it's not over. The offseason's not 100% over. There's still a chance that Troy Weaver could work his way into like a three-way deal, four-way deal, something crazy. You never know. They could still acquire that guy that we're talking about that they desperately need. But I totally agree with you, Aaron. Um, I mean, Isaiah Roby, that's, that's, I'm not saying that Isaiah Roby would have necessarily even come to Detroit, but I think that's a good example of somebody that like fits more of what you're even looking for from a Kevin Knox in terms of that high upside guy who's six foot eight. I mean, shoot, Isaiah Roby shot 44% from three last year on higher volume than Kevin Knox has ever shot and has, has, uh, has like shot over the last three years. So for me, I'm not necessarily seeing like where even the upside from a shooting perspective is in terms of Kevin Knox for somebody like Isaiah Roby. They're the same size and Roby can at least play down low a little bit, can give you some defense. So yeah, I, I don't know, man. It didn't really make much sense for me. It's not something that we have to harp on all that much because like you said, he's going to probably be their third, third forward in that rotation, maybe even their fourth. But as we've seen over the last couple of years, injuries happen. And at the end of the season, if you're a bad team, players are going to sit. So there's a good chance that Kevin Knox is going to get playing time for this team this year. And I'm not really sold that going to have any sort of a significant impact. Yeah, we are, we are really in agreement there. Um, I think that really does it for, for the stuff that we really wanted to get into today. Uh, the Pistons play again on Saturday night against Washington and then don't play again until Tuesday against Indiana uh, in terms of summer league. Jasper, was there anything else that you wanted to hit on before we, we wrap this one up and took it home? Uh, you know, not surprised to see Cape Cunningham and Sadiq base it. Not surprised to see Killian Hayes play, but I did really like seeing Isaiah Stewart out there last night. I thought that that really said a lot about who he is as a player, his character, his desire to get better, that he went out there with, with no ego. He knows that he has to shoot threes if he's going to really lock down a position in this rotation long-term, if he's really going to be a big part of this franchise's future. And I thought that the fact that He's gone into this whole thing with no ego, um, just working his butt off, shooting threes, saying good things about Jalen Duran, a guy who's coming in who's definitely going to compete with him for some minutes. Um, I just, that said a lot to me. And I think that it says a lot about the organization and the type of players that Troy Weaver is trying to bring in to Detroit. Uh, Jaden Ivey's another guy that fits that mold. I just think that that's, it says a lot about what you're trying to build. It's not all about talent. It's also about fit. It's also about the type of people that you have. Um, so for me, that was like kind of a small thing, but it really spoke volumes about the Pistons organization, uh, the players within it, and where they're headed. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. You're right about that. This is an organization that that really does put a, a significant value on drafting, not just a prospect, not just a talent, but a character and a person as well. And we see that with Kate Cunningham, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart on down. So that's a very good point and a nice way to give, you know, Troy Weaver a little bit of credit after giving him some, some tough love on the, on the Kevin Knox signing. But I think that's going to do it here. You know, we're all anxiously awaiting game two of summer league. Again, that's Saturday, uh, six o'clock Eastern for Detroit. 
uh, when they play the Washington Wizards. But that is going to do it uh, for this week's show. Thanks so much to uh, the Believe Network and our sponsor, Bet Online, for making this week's episode possible. Thanks, Jasper, for being here. And guys, we'll see you next week on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.